Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Yes, indeed. It is the get right right here on your home of the Dallas Cowboys and World Series champion Texas Rangers 105.3 The Fan. I am Reginald Datatula, joined by Blake Elliott. Yes, Hersky. We got David Shrupp on the ones and twos. Thank you, sir. And thank you guys for rolling with us on a Thursday evening in the Metroplex. We got you till 11 p.m. as we typically do. Uh, looking forward to a fun one here as we continue the roll and the ride to Super Bowl 58. This weekend, um, you know, capping off another great day of broadcasting. Of course, Sean and RJ, KNC Masterpiece, G-Bag Nation, all broadcasting live from Las Vegas, Super Bowl Radio Row. Um, so, yeah, we, we want to continue the tradition, having some good old fun. Um, your Dallas Mavericks in action this evening on a national television. They take on the New York Knicks. In Madison Square Garden, no Jalen Brunson uh, as he tweaked his ankle a couple nights ago. Um, no OG Ananobi, who actually is having surgery. He's going to miss a few weeks dealing with, uh, I believe, like a floating body in the knee, some something to that effect. And so he's trying to get himself right for their playoff uh, aspirations. But ultimately, your Mavs, you know, on the floor tonight, currently, I believe, leading last time I saw I guess the New York Knicks 18 to 16, but we'll keep you up to date with what's happening all the way through the night. But we want to start talking about this. It's deadline day yep, in yep, yep, yep. the National Basketball Association trade deadline. That is that hit at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. And with that being the case, your Mavericks active on this deadline day, making three moves to actually having to do with personnel. That changed this team. 877-881-1053 is the truckwreck.com text line number. Let us know. Were you happy, impressed, disappointed, whatever? What was your reactions to the Mavs moves at the deadline as they end up uh, parting ways with Grant Williams, Seth Curry? Mm -hmm. um, Who else did they part ways with? Rashawn Rashawn Holmes. Holmes, And they bring back... P.J. Washington and Daniel Gafford, a couple of the names that we had talked about in rumors headed up to this, uh, the move specifically, I guess, in order to break them down more particularly. You had the first move that was that was given to us that we learned about was the Daniel Gafford move, uh, where in order to get from the Wizards Daniel Gafford, they would send out um, Rashawn Holmes and draft compensation is all that we knew of, right? Um and then we later learned that the Mavericks worked something out in order to bring P.J. Washington to the Mavericks. They send out Grant Williams, who's had a little bit of a, not just a little bit, but a, quite a disappointing spell 
with his time once he was signed and traded to the Mavericks. You send out Seth Curry, the veteran guard, and they also send out a first-round pick, lightly protected, which I believe is top two protected. Um, I think that's that 2027 Mavs first-round pick. So you end up getting that. That's done deal. And then the Mavs, in order to be able to make all of this shake, they go and they do a little bit of work with the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. Mm -hmm. They do a little bit of a swap to, you know, they go to the ATM, the draft ATM of sorts, that being Sam Sam Presti's Oklahoma City Thunder that have just a treasure trove of picks. They trade. The Mavericks give an opportunity for a pick swap in the future, and they get a hold of the Thunder's first-round pick for this year. They go ahead and slap that on to Rashawn Holmes, and here is a nice backup big, Daniel Gafford, who is now – with the Dallas Mavericks, obviously, once that goes through and once he is able to make his way to the Mavericks. So with that being the case, your new, your new team, how do you like the way that it looks, Blake Elliott? Yeah, I love it. So I, I immediately was trying to find my phone to call my good close friends of follow the NBA and like kind of reading the temperature of their thoughts on this trade. We've been very critical of Grant over the season. Um, and rightfully so. And, and kind of as to his own expectations. He, he he talked a lot during the media day and during what he expected of himself and what the team expected of him to be that third, fourth star, at least consistent starter at the minimum. And around Christmas, he re- fell out of the rotation and never really got back in it, even with it, even with the injury. So the Mavs were obviously looking to kind of move off of him. That wasn't something they were seeing long term with with how things were playing out recently. And then we talked about before the show, Rashawn Holmes was the guy they got in a salary dump so they could acquire those draft picks in, in this past year's draft. And obviously weren't playing them that much, um, kind of playing them just in spot minutes here or there. So, And then Seth Curry, even with the injuries, has had minutes here and there, but even in those um, extended minutes, hasn't really been what you wanted from the team. In a, in a deep guard room. Yeah, so now you had three guys that were very expendable, and what did you need to do is, was get better on defense and get better at rebounding. And I think Gafford is probably the best option for the things I just said, defense and rebounding. He's an elite rim defender, great lob threat, um, great pick and roll guy. So I, I think having him. I'm along, not sure he's an elite rim defender, but he's a solid one, though. Solid rim defender. Yeah. For, 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 for I the mean, role now he's I'm playing. picking nits at that for, point. For but the yeah. role he's playing. He's, I'm not saying he's um, Matumbo or anything like that. Under yeah, because that, that but, would be wrong. But yes, but, you're not but, saying that. But he, he is nice for a backup center. And you bring in PJ Washington, which. Even when we have said it, it still doesn't make sense that he's only 6'7". It, it feels like he's a lot taller than Grant Williams. He definitely plays taller than 6'7". Has got a nice, long, I believe, 7'2 wingspan. So he's a guy that's going to give you a little bit of length at that 3-4 position. I think he's going to be playing that 4 for you. They can switch on defenders. Right now, he's averaging this now. Take what a grain of salt this was in Charlotte. 13, 13.6 points per game, 5.5 rebounds, about 2.5 assists. I did look at some of his more advanced stats. Shooting in the restricted area. Shooting 70%. That's what you want. Um, right outside of that in the paint, shooting about 60, 62%. The only, the only scary thing is his threes, especially his corner threes. He's shooting about 25% this year. Yeah. He's made six. Now, what's, what is worth noting when we're talking about um, his, his shooting or his point scored in general is that you mentioned he was playing in Charlotte. And so mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that looked at his, I guess, the, the lack of his ability to get on the court in some ways mm-hmm. in Charlotte. But Charlotte has a lot of young bigs that they are looking towards developing when you talk about Mark Williams. Uh, obviously, Miles Bridges was getting a lot of burn there. Like they, have, they had some guys that were there that were taking up space in a way. And so, P.J. Washington maybe fell on the back burner in that regard. 
Not that he was bad, just they had other priorities. And so this gives him an opportunity to be a little bit more featured. Mm-hmm. And then we talk about when, you, when you're knocking, uh, trying to knock down shots, the Luka bump that you get playing you with a playmaker like Luka is going, to be, it's going to be huge, right? Yeah. It's definitely going to make it a little bit easier for you to knock down shots. Now, of course, you did mention the corner three shooting percentage is not where you would want it to be. And so you hope that he can knock down sh- uh, shots, uh, spot up shots yeah. at a decent clip so that at least he is he's a little bit where defense has to consider him, yeah. right? They're and, not just going to leave him wide and, open. And we kind of said the same thing about Derrick Jones Jr. before he came, and no one really called him a high-volume, good knockdown three-point shooter. But he shot 35% from corners, he sh- though. He, he shot better, but still no one from where he was at in that little stint, he was shooting a lot better. So I think if he bumps that number up to 30 32%, you're chilling, you're you're feeling okay with that. It definitely helps also supplementing on the team that he's on now. Josh Green, as we speak, is still playing very well, especially shooting those corner threes and knocking down those open shots. So now that relieves the stress of that if P.J. Washington can be a cutter, can be a plus defender, can be a guy that's switching out on some of those uh, forwards um, out there along with Josh Green so that Kyrie and Luka can kind of take the two weakest defenders on defense. That's definitely going to help you. And just kind of talking about that uh, point spread because – P.J. Washington, I think, is a more plus defender than Grant, but I don't think he's a plus defender overall. I don't think he's just someone that's going to lock down. He's not Lou Dort. He's not Kawhi Leonard, but he's going to give you a little bit more athleticism. Just in the past 10 games against the Jazz, he had 43. Against the Bulls, he had 26. Against the Pacers, he had 22. Also, most of his games are around 12 to 15, which is why he's averaging around 13 and a half. But he can still have those explosions where Kyrie's out of the lineup. Luca's out of the lineup. Green's out of the lineup. Whatever it may be, and he can give you some of those more supplemental points where you weren't, you definitely were not getting from the guys that you traded away in Grant Williams or Sean Holmes and Seth Curry. So I think it's a plus. Obviously, they gave a little bit of draft capital as well, though. Yeah, and I, I think also worth noting um, as I was trying to find some splits for PJ Washington. But yeah, you're right. Not necessarily a huge, uh, not like an elite defender, but absolutely mm-hmm. is going to be a plus defender in the ways that I view it. But I did want to go back to the truckwreck.com text line. A lot mm-hmm. of people texting in, uh, 2 and 4, happy, happy with the moves, and they got P.J. Gafford. First-round pick is was utilized to get Gafford, so they didn't really end up with more draft capital. They definitely um, utilized what they had in their coffers. But here from the 2 and 4, they said, doesn't this show that Nico understands the need of length and athleticism, excited by the pickups? Yeah. And I think that was one of the things that I took away is just, the ways in which Nico Harrison, one, understood the gaps in this team, which honestly, to be fair, they had expressed these needs and the understanding of these needs. I was impressed by the the level of maneuvering that they were capable, that they were able to do to be able to get these ha- make this happen. Mm-hmm. And so um, I thought the, the price on P.J. Washington was what it was. I thought it might it could have possibly been lower, but mm-hmm. it wasn't something that completely was off-putting. But ultimately... You got this done in a way where you did not have two first-round picks available to you to utilize, but you found a way to trade two first-round picks by being, um, you know, having some ingenuity to you. And so yeah. I salute uh, Nico Harrison because right now you have probably the most complete team that Luka Doncic has been put around. Now, of course, that's on paper. We we could have said something somewhat similar even with, without the backup big coming into the season, thinking that Grant Williams was going to step into a role that was there for him, but this does look a lot more tenable as a team. And now I think that this, uh, at least let me ask this as a question. How, what do you think this changes when it comes to the ceiling on these Mavericks? Or do you think it changes the ceiling? Um, I, I think it changes the ceiling. I, I, I think it was big because it, it's kind of a catch-22. The Mavs were targeting P.J. Washington in the offseason and last season and weren't able to get him and settled on Grant Williams. Then they ended up having to use a first-round pick and Grant Williams to get the guy they wanted all along. Either way, it's fine. The Hornets obviously had leverage here 
because they wanted Josh Green in a first, and we kept Josh Green, which I think is a plus, and you gave away the guys that you gave away, which we spoke about. I think Grant Williams is obviously more indispensable than Josh Green was. Or and, dis- dispensable. Yeah, dispensable. Yep. Um, so I, I think it raises their ceiling. I think this is what the team wanted. I think they wanted to get some more athleticism. And at the end of the day, me and Reggie can say whatever. As long as the guy who's the face of your franchise is happy, that's probably going to bode well for you. Because we can think all we want, but if that guy isn't happy, it's not going to look good because NBA is star-driven and it's player-driven and Luka's a star to see him. Hear what Luka had to say about go, going to get P.J. Washington. This is cut three. Possibly. I was told, too, that Luka Doncic was very enthusiastic about the idea of landing P.J. Washington. I think that was a little bit of a motivating factor that he, he was excited about the possibility of getting him uh, – at this trade deadline to add him to this team to make a run. And 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 that's what you want to hear. Luca, I saw the Luca GM uh, funny quotes on Twitter, you know, the LeBron Lee GM things. Uh, he's already starting to get a grasp on it. He understands what this team needs. I mean, it's a business at the end of the day. I'm sure him and Grant were good buddies, and Grant's a great guy. But at the end of the day, you got to produce. And I think this was the perfect small move where you didn't, you didn't throw away your entire future for this, but this was something that shows, hey, Luca, we're paying attention. We know what our struggles and deficiencies are, and we're going to try our best to fix them without foregoing our future completely because I think they can still make some things shake in the offseason with Tim Hardaway and uh, Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleba's contracts, and then hopefully they relinquish that 2024 first-round pick to the Knicks finally, and we'll have some more uh, trade assets and draft capital to move around. But I like it. I like it's a small move, underrated move, you got some holes filled. You got some guys that weren't that were just logging minutes out of out of town, and you kept Luca happy. I, I it did feel like you kind of shot your shot here, though. I mean, I, I know you're talking about you could still make some moves in the offseason. Yeah, you have those contracts that are I think reasonably attractive, particularly maybe like Tim Hardaway Jr. We saw players of somewhat like comparable maybe status mm-hmm. uh, go for maybe like a set a couple of seconds, things like that. Um, so maybe that is something that you have available to you. But, I, I mean, like I mentioned, you've basically utilized the first-round picks that you have available to you. And I, I have to go back and check which first-round picks that you have, that you've uh, kind of let go of. Um, but I think that with that being the case, even once you, even if you confer this upcoming first-round pick, I don't know that you have the ability to utilize another one of these picks until that one maybe the 31 pick yeah. becomes open and even then I believe you've traded the 20 no I, yeah you've traded the 2030 pick already as well so I don't know that you could dip into that I don't know that you have future first to play with after this this feels a lot closer to what your team is going to be as you begin to try and contend okay. now of course like some maybe you know maybe some like dialing in here and there but when it comes to like the major like major moves, I mean, of course, there's always some level of wiggle if you are if you are a creative uh, general manager and team builder. But this feels like a lot closer to what you are going with, and I think that they definitely made themselves better. I think that now you're going to have to see connective tissue and playing together and getting getting like the play style get, come together. I think that's going to be where you're going to have to grow. And I think that's where going to be a majority of the growth is going to need to be for your Mavs for them to begin to climb up the the Western Conference leaderboard, so to speak. Yeah, and all those guys that we just mentioned that were acquired by the trade, your your focal part, they're all under contract. Luca, five years. Yep. Kyrie, three years. Tim, four. Well, obviously we talked about that. PJ's still got three years left. Mm-hmm. Josh, three years. Gafford, three years. 
Um, Derek Lively, Omax still on their rookie deals. Dante Exum and Hardy on two, three-year deals. So you kind of have the core of your team. You're not going to have this coming in all season. Well, hopefully we can re-sign Kyrie and PJ. They're under contract. So, and this team is young. The 25, the 26 and under club is boating well for the Mavs. Pretty much every player outside of, I believe, Kyrie, Kyrie Tim, and oh, Dwight. And Tim. Yeah. Kyrie, Tim, Dwight, and Maxi. It's and right. Exum. <laughs> as okay, far yeah. as guys getting uh, big minutes. So that means Luca, PJ, Josh, Gafford, Lively, Omax, uh, Jaden Hardy, and then obviously the Derek Jones Juniors and Greg Browns, AJ Lawsons of the world. So I, I see this team going in the right direction. They got their core pieces under contract. Obviously, there will always be room for upgrades. So thinking, like I said, Tim Hardaway, I don't know if he's part of the long-term project. We'll, we'll maybe in the coming days we'll get into the buyout market with Spencer Dinwiddie and all that. So yeah, there's some interesting pieces that could move around. We should probably talk about that, right? Spencer Dinwiddie in, and I got to remember which move in particular, ultimately, he was traded to Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, Toronto, who I just completely did not understand what their move was. We might later talk about kind of the wider trade deadline in the National Basketball Association. But Spencer Dinwiddie obviously previously had played with the Mavs. He came over to Dallas in that trade, the KP trade that sent him to the Washington Wizards. Um, so Spencer Dinwiddie was here for a while, played pretty well, right, with on that team his that best, went to the Western basketball. Conference player. I'd uh, say his best finals. basketball. I, I would probably agree. Mm-hmm. His most meaningful basketball mm-hmm. at the very least. Mm-hmm. And so, you he, you know, you trade him to Brooklyn in order to get Kyrie, and he's been there. He gets traded to Toronto, and Toronto in order to avoid having to play pay a kicker mm-hmm. that would come up uh, should he play, you know, out the rest yeah. of the season there. They decide to buy him out. And so now he's in the buyout market. It seems like the reporting is the two teams that are most likely to sign him are the Los Angeles Lakers and your Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. And uh, two yeah. Other, two other teams have emerged in that. Oh, really? Yes, yes, yes. It just came out per Shams. It's the Lakers, Mavs, which are probably the two heavily favorites. Pelicans and 76ers are also expected to show interest. Okay. Well, all of those are interesting teams. I think your Mavericks obviously pose an interesting uh, opportunity for him. He's familiar with the place, comfortable with the place, and he knows he would be on a team that is, has a level of contention in them. Mm-hmm. Um, he's familiar with the coach, with the, you know, with the play style in some mm-hmm. regards, but he would have a he would he would have a six-man role maybe, something close to that, yeah. or I guess Tim is still here, but yeah. I'm interested in seeing how the rotation uh, moves around a little bit. But they could they could only offer him up to I believe five point three five point four million dollars mm-hmm. because they'd be utilizing their mid level exception probably. And the juice bar tweeted at him saying they'd get free smoothies for life because he has um you know a little Hortado deal. He's, he's been repping them on the social media before when he was back here in Dallas. That's got to be like at worth at worth at least like a couple million, he right? Said, he said for, they said free smoothies. It's negotiable. And if you go on Spencer Dinwiddie's Twitter right now. Go look at his most recent like. It happens to be that tweet oh. from the smoothie place saying that come back to Dallas. We miss you. Free smoothies for life. There you go. So that that would be cool to get. Um, that'd be cool to see if you get end up with uh, Spencer Dinwiddie um, as another another guard. Even though you have a lot of guards here, but mm-hmm. that's one that you know you're you're confident known commodity. in. Con- yeah, known commodity in this year of question marks as I've deemed it. There was a lot of question marks on this team on this roster. That's a guy that you know what you're going to get. You know what kind of play style he brings. So that could be interesting in the buyout market. And if just to give you a little bit more hope that maybe it could happen, the rumor was that he is actually in New York at this uh, at this Knicks game rumblings, with your rumblings. Dallas Mavericks. Rumblings, rumblings, rumblings. <laughs> that he might be at the game. What does that mean? I'm not sure anything, if it's even the case that he is there. Read in as you do. But, I mean, 
ultimately, this this is an interesting. I, I thought that there was really good moves by the Mavericks. They were clearly one of the winners yep. on the day, and now. I'm interested in seeing what the rotation starts to look like because Ooh, it can only be good. <laughs> I, I think that PJ Washington is probably immediately installed as a starter. Yep. So now you ask yourself what happens with those wings because Lively is your starter at center, PJ Washington your starter maybe at the four, mm-hmm. and that means you only have a three spot. Mm-hmm. Dante Exum is a guy who Jason Kidd has been you know likely to start whenever he's healthy. Mm-hmm. You have uh, Derek Jones who had made himself a starter from like literally the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Both those guys are there. Which one of those guys maybe rotates to the bench? And then also, I know a lot of Mavs fans were clapping because Daniel Gafford is now your backup big. He's going to eat up a lot of those backup minutes, which means less Dwight Powell on the floor and more, yep. of, more of a just bench veteran role, I imagine, for him. I just want to insert the three that I have. Blake's opinion is Josh Green. Josh Green mm. starts over both of those two guys, in my opinion. Well, I mean, imagine the size change that you go from if you're playing Josh Green at the three, Derrick Jones Jr. at the four, to now playing P.J. Washington at the four with, I mean, the length that he brings. Obviously, he's still 6'7", but a lot of wingspan plays bigger. And then you move Derrick Jones Jr. to the three or even Dante Exum. I think, I think honestly, you rotate him in, but I think Josh starts and Jones, Exum, they all rotate into that two, three spot, maybe Jones even at the four. You have a lot of flexibility. You do. We are in a good spot now, Mavs fans where you are not cringing at a timeout when your starters come out. You have a solid bench and depth, and the problem will be people getting minutes, not the wrong people getting minutes now, hopefully. Well, so that that's what's happening right now with your uh, Dallas Mavericks after the trade deadline. And now that's left is uh, a little bit of coaching, a little bit of figuring out what this new iteration of your Mavericks look like and a charge towards the playoffs uh, down the stretch. It's the get right right here. On 105.3, the fan, uh, Reginald Atatula, Blake Elliott here with you. Got you till 11. Coming up next, let's talk more about the things you need to know as we continue to move towards Super Bowl 58, and we do it next on The Fan. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It's the Get Right right here on 105.3 The Fan. Reginald Datatula here with you alongside Blake Kelly. Yes, Hersky. Thanks for rolling with us on a Thursday 
evening in the Metroplex. It sneaks up on you. It's been a really fun uh, Super Bowl week thus far, especially if you've been tapped in to 105.3 The Fan on YouTube, catching a lot of great interviews that the fellas are having. I mean, obviously, you should probably be toloing and hearing all those live, uh, but you can always go 105.3 The Fan on YouTube, catch up on what's happening out there. Shout out to the folks watching us live on YouTube and then also twitch.tv slash Dallas and wh- fan What camp. do we call those, the people watching us live, Reggie? The people the people on Twitch and YouTube. No, we got a name for them. It's no, an F. you got a name for them. I got to call them that. What's up, my foregrounders? Still weird. Uh, in fact, we actually do have a name. We typically used to call them Twolos. I feel like we have we already have that. Yeah. Shout out to EJL Viking putting the putting the emote in the chat. Uh, but look, let's let's continue talking about the things that you need to know for Super Bowl Fifty Eight. A uh, few days away, just a few days away. And yesterday, myself and CA talked a little bit about, or a lot of it really, about the matchup of Chiefs offense, or sorry, Chiefs defense. Niners offense, which is going one. to be a fun one. But I feel like the even more interesting one – actually, no, I think that that one is Niners, Niners offense, Chiefs defense. I think that that's the more interesting yep. of the, the on-field matches. But this is the one that is going to sell money, uh, send, uh, sell uh, tickets, have people locked in because Patrick Mahomes plays for the Chiefs on offense. He does. And so you have Chiefs offense, Niners defense. Like, How does this match up? And so I'll continue to give you some stuff. Uh, courtesy Shil Kapadia of the Ringer. And, of course, when we talk about this and we get down to the numbers of it, we know that the numbers for the Chiefs not going to look great because for the first half of the season at least, what did it look like, Blake? Uh, not not great. I think we called that mid-pack. Yep, 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 yep. That was not what you wanted to be. But of late, they have really started to turn it up. I don't know if you say that they started figuring some stuff out, which it definitely feels like. They're, they're just gamers. Or some people, yeah, some people say that, you know, man, they, they don't try during regular season. I, I don't even want to say they don't try. It's just a cruise along just just enough, and then it's like, all right, it's do or die time. Let me, let me really lock in. It's the sitting up in the chair meme, if you will. Lock in. It's fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they've definitely done that as we get to the sec- second half of the season, really in the postseason, where the, the Chiefs offense is eighth in DVOA and the Niners defense is fourth in DVOA. Um, so both of these obviously still top 10 units. We talked about that a little bit yesterday. Uh, Chiefs main personnel groupings, a lot of 11, 12, 13 personnel for them, which is obviously when we talk about one running back, one tight end is 11. Mm-hmm. Two, One, tight, two end. tight ends is 12, three tight ends uh, is 13. I mean, they they love getting tight ends out here. And really, they you got know, one receiver. <laughs> when, when you talk about that, it's because they filter all their offense to two playmakers, yeah. right? It's going to be a lot of Travis Kelsey. It'll be a good amount of Rashi Rice. I mean, and then, of course, you know, a gray. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget Watson. what. Uh, yes, Watson. Are other tight ends that they get involved as well, but if it's the passing game, it's going to be those two dudes. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm I'm going to be really interesting to, interested in seeing how they how they do that, especially when you look at the ways that the Niners are basically lining up and playing one style, which is a lot of zone defense. I, I, I'm excited to see how Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner kind of uh, patrol the middle of the field. Yeah, because the Chiefs like to hit those seams. They like to get stuff, little drag routes and stuff. So. When they see Rasheed Rice coming on a drag route, does Dre Greenlaw get in one in front of those? I see. I think it was the Green Bay game. He had two interceptions, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, Dre he did, Greenlaw and he tried two. to run both of them back. So, like, <laughs> so him being involved in that, and then both of them in the run game. They're both monsters in the run game with Isaiah Pacheco. Well, you say that. I mean, really, the when it comes down to the run game, the Chiefs' run game is actually below average all the way across. I, I like. I think Isaiah Pacheco is one of those guys where. 
I'm gonna be completely honest. Him and Mahomes, I kind of throw the numbers aside. Cause like now, if this was week seven, I'd be okay. Now let's look at the EPA per play versus defense. I've seen Pacheco in big moments. We've seen him play in these kind of moments, and he and Mahomes, Mahomes obviously tenfold Pacheco, but they seem to just be gamers. Where put the stats aside, Baltimore's got the best defense. South Rush, cool. We're gonna run all over them. They they got this DVOA on third down. Cool. I'm gonna pick up a first down when it's mattered. So. With those two guys, and honestly, the Chiefs as a whole, I kind of almost want to throw just like the, the as much as I love DVOA and EPA, like it's hard for me to put too much stock into them because we are in the Super Bowl. These are the two best teams right now. So it, it feels disingenuous to use like a stat against someone and at, at, at this stage. Like I, I, I do agree that their running game hasn't been like number one like Baltimore's was all year. But I'm just like third and four. I feel really good about Pacheco picking him a first down. Yeah, and I, I think that Pacheco himself, he has been a solid runner. But even then, like I think the larger sample size is worth noting. Mm, of I think, course. I think when you what where it gets interesting is what you were talking about uh, with Patrick Mahomes and the ways in which he's not a runner in the ways that we think of like running uh, running quarterbacks per Josh's, se. Josh's Lamar. But he runs to move the sticks. And, Very situational and he and he he does enough to do that, and he's solid at doing that. And so that adds a wrinkle. Plus, you have to add in the fact that Andy Reid is incredible at you know managing the game when it comes to the play calling of it all. Which is funny, even using the words you know managing the game in general, talking about uh, Andy Reid at one point in time would have seemed absolutely insane. But with that being the case, here you are, right? You were in a place where they do, especially. In, towards the back half of the season, right? And in these playoffs, they have found a way to do it effectively enough. And they have an opportunity to make some waves because the Niners' defense, again, we've talked about this, That's it's a defense that in name brand we view as being incredible, but it's susceptible. And I think they were, what, 15th in uh, when it comes to, like, run-stopping ability, when it comes to, uh, I w- w- yeah, they were 15th. And so with that being the case, there's some opportunities to get some yards, and they don't need to be great uh, running the ball, they just need to be good enough, and I think that's really the big thing. Is the bar isn't high, even if they're not, even if the Chiefs' run offense isn't incredible. Yeah, it, it feels like the Chiefs' defense is what we've already said how great it's been this season, especially in the second half. I was I was trying to look up the stats against the Bills, they let up seven points in the second half. Against the Ravens, they let up three points in the second half, and against the Dolphins, they let up zero points in the second half. So they've 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 let up a total of what is that, ten points? 10 points in the second half of the entire postseason. It's pretty good. And when you do that, Patrick Mahomes doesn't have to be a world saver. I, I, I think an interesting part of what Jaden Daniels had to do at LSU, not to cross too much, but he had to put up such crazy numbers because of how porous his defense was. And therefore, he puts up these illustrious stats. I still think he's a great quarterback. But when you're down in the fourth quarter all the time, you're going to have to pass your way back into it. Versus Patrick Mahomes' stats may not be gaudy this year and a gajillion yards and yards per attempt, but when you watch the game with your eyeballs and you're like, he is making all the right plays in critical moments late in the season. And when you were talking about scrambling, I thought that was a great point because it's very far and few that Patrick Mahomes has scrambled in a high leverage game and it's been for a negative. It feels like every time he scrambles, it's like the defense turns his back in there and man and he picks up 12 yards and he scampers and he's wide open or he fights off one guy on third and two and gets to the sideline, picks it up and extends the yeah. ball. Like, just a very, like, a lot of stuff with the Chiefs, you really have to watch the game. If you just look at the stats, you're like, okay, they're not anything crazy 14th here, 16th here, 18th Although, here. if you do look at it, particularly Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. um, and his success rate, 
He is top 11 and mostly top 10 against all of these. Against man coverage, against zone coverage, against one high, against two high safeties, against blitz, against no blitz, against play action, against no pl- or with play action, with no play action. When he's pressured, when he's not pressured, when he has under three seconds to throw, when he has three seconds or more to throw. I mean, he just, just finds any a circumstance. Way. He finds a way. That's why I'm like, we we could be okay. We're gonna run too high and run the shell and do this, or we're gonna we're gonna send the house, or we're gonna play cloud three. Like it doesn't really matter. He is just gonna figure you out at the line of scrimmage, and you just hope that you can, you can match the offensive output, which is why I think a team like the Bills had a good chance because they're a team that Josh Allen can match that kind of moment and go score the ball, and I thought the same of the Ravens, but they their offense seemed to fall apart. Now, we talked very highly Wait, of the Niners. Real quick, I, mm. look, I'd like to keep talking about this. We'll, have to, we'll jump back into the Super Bowl, don't get me wrong, but we got breaking news Uh-oh. here on the fan. Breaking news on 105 Through the Fan is presented by BetQL. Smarter bets start with BetQL. Download, rather, the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. This comes courtesy of Tom Pelissero, the uh, NFL network man. He lets us know, and I'll read his sweet verbatim, as of about four minutes ago, the Cowboys are expected to hire Mike Zimmer as their defensive coordinator, per sources. Zimmer is 67 years old. He's the third winningest head coach in Minnesota Vikings history and long respected for his defensive prowess. And so you go. Uh, they'll hire Mike Zimmer, who previously coached uh, here from 1994 to 2006. Mike Zimmer, likely and is soon to be the Dallas Cowboys' new defensive coordinator. I'm glad we got to break that news, Reggie. We got we got to be a part of some breaking news here. Somebody's listening right now, and that was the first time they heard of it. I think I would say 98% of people that just heard you talk that was the first time they heard that. And that's why you got a Tolo. Listen to your home of the Dallas Cowboys, your home of the World Series champion Texas Rangers, and really – on the get right, you're only live in local programming here in the Metroplex. So you want to keep it locked here. Um, why, why would you not have it here? Out of all the, why haters. would you not have it right here? Haters. You get vibes. You get breaking news. You get analysts. You really, you really want to start with you, vibes there? You, you Okay. You get breaking news. There you go. You get uh, breakdown analysis. You get vibes. Third. You get condiment talk. Someone said barbecue. You get barbecue. You I, get, I'm not promising barbecue. You get trade deadline talk. That sounds expensive. Like, at best, At on. best, I could promise you, like, Okay, uh, sandwiches. I, I'm sh- I'm sure now that we're we're gonna get into this, but out of all the hires, quick reaction is he is who is he who you wanted? He was one on my list. Out of all the people they'd interview, he was yeah. I mean, one on he, of of the guys that they had brought in and that mm-hmm. they had talked to, he seemed like the one that I was most interested in. And you know what? Let's talk more about this because we got to take a break here. Coming up next. We'll talk more about the presumed new defense coordinator for your Dallas Cowboys, according to reports, Mike Zimmer, what he brings, and maybe go a little bit around the NFL. We'll do all of that next on The Fan. Mike Zimmer is set to be the new defense coordinator for your Dallas Cowboys. It's the get right right here on 105 through the fan. Reginald Atatula here with you alongside Blake Ellie, David Shrupp on the ones and twos, and you rolling with us on a Thursday evening in the Metroplex, an eventful one, NBA trade deadline day. NBA, uh, some Mavs game happening right now at uh, it's at halftime at Madison Square Garden. Mavs lead 59-48. But more pressing, and the breaking news of the hour, according to NFL Network insider Tom Pelissero, the Cowboys are expected to hire Mike Zimmer as their defensive coordinator. And so there was a lot of names that came up in this earlier today. We heard that, I mean, yesterday we learned that Rex Ryan had been talked to, and then earlier yep. today we find out Rex Ryan says, no, I wasn't in an interview. And obviously there's been conversations with uh, Al Harris and with, more importantly, Aiden Dirty. Um, we heard we learned about Marquand Manuel 
We learned about uh, also Ron Rivera obviously was a name that was attached to this. But ultimately, and uh, I know Michael Gelkin of um, uh, the Dallas Morning News also confirming that the Cowboys are expected to hire Mike Zimmer as their defense coordinator. Uh, a, por- a person familiar with the situation confirmed some logistics to be completed as earlier tonight in order for the deal to be finalized. But Zimmer is the choice is what uh, Michael Gelkin reports. So multiple multiple different folks reporting Mike Zimmer set to be the defensive coordinator of the Cowboys. So we, we know what this is. I'm interested to see, like, is this going to be a situation where he holds on to the defensive staff that you already have here? Because uh, earlier today we learned that the, the Cowboys denied requests from the commanders to interview Al Harris, just like they did with uh, Lunda Wells. And so – you know, are they going to be able to keep uh, Aiden Dirty and Al Harris, all those things? But I guess before we even get to that, just first impressions. Mike Zimmer um, last coached in 2021 with the Minnesota Vikings, a really weird team that was one of those kind of faux, faux good teams. They had a good record, but if you watch them playing, you're like, this is not a good football team. The defense was really problematic. I think it ranked 24th. But historically been a very good defensive coordinator. Obviously, he's been one here before in Dallas. Been a dude who's uh, who's multiple. Was coached to three four, coached to four three. Um, able to you know do all of those things and is regarded pretty well around NFL league circles as a very smart football man. What was your impression hearing that Mike Zimmer is going to be the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys this season? Yeah, it's a guy that has head coaching experience, which we know the Joneses are keen on. Um, it's a guy that had a very successful defense from that 2014 to 2019 stretch, which I've talked about many times on the show. Number one in EPA per play, run EPA, pass EPA for that five-year stretch. So one of the better defenses from 2014 to 2019. And it's a guy that is going to bring some teeth and some grit to this team that I think they've been missing. Um, I think it's a team that was going, getting by, was getting a bunch of pats on the back. Um and that was okay because that was just um, Dan Quinn's coaching style. And that works with some players and not with some, and some teams and not with some other teams. I don't think the Cowboys needed any more pats on their backs. I think we have enough of that here in Dallas. And I think Mike Zimmer brings a little bit of an edge, I hope, from what we last saw from him in his last coaching sense, and especially when he was with uh, the Bengals there, when he was their defensive coordinator from 2018 to 2013. And then obviously when he was the Cowboys assistant, back in the early or late 90s, early 2000s. Um, It's a guy that I think is the best hire for what was around, which we we spoke to out of the Dirties and Rivera's and Ryan's, Emmanuel. I I think it's the best hire you could have had. It's a guy that's comfortable with the situation he's going to be coming into. Probably knows the players, I would would guess, a decent amount. Um, And you were talking about the assistants. That's going to – I think that goes to whether Zimmer wants to keep them. I personally am an Al Harris fan. Um, been learning more and more about Dirty, but I just don't know if he wants to keep them. I'm, I'm not sure that how much that is involved. I wonder if part of the understanding is, hey, you come in, you kind of work with what we have, because it does seem also like it, might be that. all the reporting has seemed like part of the decision-making process of this for the Cowboys has been maybe to you know ruffle as few feathers as, as possible. And I guess maybe the better way is to like create as few ripples as possible, right? Mm-hmm. Not have a, a, a multitude of changes and I imagine the the ability to be multiple uh, for Mike Zimmer and to be malleable goes further than just the football field. It's probably, hey, can you work with the staff that's already here? Can you slip into what is already established here and kind of just take that and play it up? 
it'll be interesting to see if the play style for him, like his guys on the field, is something that they're going to try and utilize and get into. If they're going to try and get his type of guys in some ways. Obviously, and I know that um, John Owning, our friend at Pro Football Focus, uh, was tweeting about this this week, the idea that this roster that you have defensively is pretty malleable. It, it is pretty, uh, you could do various things with it. Of course, there's the things that you know you have to upgrade. You definitely want to have better uh, linebacker play. I mean, if you could upgrade your defensive tackle situation, you would love to do that. And, of course, all of that, right? But with that being the case, like you do have some versatility within the way that this is built, which could accommodate the various things that Mike Zimmer might want to do. But I do want to go back to the thing that I think a lot of us have kind of settled on is Mike Zimmer, the best of the names that were provided. Now that it is, it's very clear that that's going to be what this case is. Do you feel like it is a just on its on its face a good hire as opposed to just compared to Ron Rivera, right, or compared to someone who has not play called before? Understanding he has head coaching experience, and that's going to be somewhat necessary because your head coach is over on the offensive side, and you need somebody that can ha- hold that structure themselves. Um, yeah, I, I think on its face, comparative to all the other DCs that were hired, I, I would give it like a C plus, B minus kind of grade, like mm-hmm. kind of right in the middle. I think a little bit above average. I think I think right in average would have been probably like a a dirty or a Rex Ryan hire personally. And I, I think this is a guy that pushes you a little bit more. Now, will he do better than Dan Quinn? It's going to be very hard to to really foresee that because Dan Quinn, as much as I've given him grief, as much as the fans have given him grief, he still had turned over a very, 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 very bad defense into one of the better defenses in a couple of years. He did. Now, obviously, the run defense was still kind of always a pervasive problem throughout those years, but they were countless years, number one, in takeaways, turnovers, creating splash plays. We've seen shutouts like we've never seen before. It just felt like the... It was a little bit inconsistent, the variability of his defense, where one day you shut someone out, the next day you're getting run for 300 yards out of your building or on, or on the road. Uh, you, you play a good game against a good team, then you go in the playoffs and you don't know how to play defense. Obviously. So it was kind of up and down. Now, can can Zimmer give us more of a middle ground of something to expect every game? Maybe it's not splash plays and winning 40-0, to zero, but it also maybe it's not getting blown out by 40. Maybe it's somewhere more in the middle. That'll be for us to wait and see because he hasn't coached in a while. So Yeah, uh, how, how much has he been attached to the game yes. and staying involved? Some of the variability of the defenses under Dan Quinn. Do you attribute that to Dan Quinn and his play calling, or how much do we attribute that to the idea of personnel and the size of personnel? Because I know that uh, Moose Johnston, Daryl Moose Johnston, was on with Sean and RJ earlier today. And he talked about some of the instances where it's like, hey, man, with the size, even if you go if you're in a situation where, you know, you got six in the box and the other and the offense has six, you think of that as, OK, well, you know, it's, it's not a light box. But if you actually have physically lighter guys, that maybe is a light box that you can run into. Right. How much do you uh, attribute those types of things to well, this as opposed to just Dan Quinn and his play call? I, I think I. To be completely frank, I'd have to go back and look or ask Broadus what kind of defense he was running in, in his past stints, especially obviously in Atlanta, obviously being the head coach, but what kind of stuff he was for setting out there because this whole nickel and dime thing obviously has been more prevalent in the last year with Van Der Esch being out and whatnot, so the personnel has changed. But we've seen he never there's never been a 
since the, what was it, the Jalen Lee, wasn't that his name? Jay, Sean Lee. Sean Lee and Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith. Yes, sir. You just combined. I, I, I commi- <laughs> there's, I'm sure there's people <laughs> that listening that are like, they couldn't be two of the furthest players, but I get it, right? I combined them. Jalen Lee. Um, I have a friend named Jalen Lee, which I think is where. Huh, shout out to Jalen Lee. I think that's where my mind was going. But either way, like those guys, once they left, it just felt like they never really kind of put all their capital into linebacker. And we were kind of, we're just shuffling and, Vander Esch hanging around and Micah Parsons moving to the line and whatnot. So hopefully with Zimmer coming in, he puts an emphasis on it because it didn't seem like too much of Dan Quinn. That was a point of emphasis. Now, like I said, I'd have to go back to his previous stance to see if it was just and they, the they, front office and him weren't agreeing. And he well, was like, hey, I he, want he, this guy. He is in, he's he was involved when it came to personnel. Now I'm not I'm not saying that he was going in like actively saying I need all of this, but mm-hmm. we do know that there was a relationship with Dan Quinn in the front office. And I know Thomas Dimitrov earlier this week was talking about how Dan Quinn is a personnel guy. It's something that we've known. I mean, we've seen him um, at various, you know, like senior bowl types well, things based and working on that guys thing, out. We but, have to hold him accountable, though. Well, I mean, they did. They drafted DeMarvion Overshaw, and that was part of the plan, but, you know, then he gets hurt. And so. I do know that, you know, sometimes these things happen, you end up in a bad circumstance, and you could definitely go to the Joneses and the entirety of the front office and say that, okay, once that happens, having more than simply moving a safety down into, you know, yeah. into linebacker um, as a solution would be nice. Um, and not just having J. Ron Curse play as a third linebacker would be nice. Uh, but now they have an opportunity to address that so that maybe you're not looking at simply personnel being an issue, but just to, you know, Re-rack it. Tom Pelissero of NFL Network lets us know that the Cowboys are expected to hire Mike Zimmer as the defense coordinator, filling the position left by Dan Quinn when he goes to become the head coach of the Washington Commanders. It seems like on the truckwreck.com text line, there's there's more positivity than anything. I wonder how much of that has just been like the, the leading the lead up and also the ways in which you put certain people next to each other and some folks look better. And I don't want to, like, try and, you know, knock the, down the Mike Zimmer. The framing is always important. Yeah, but the framing of putting him next to Ron Rivera, and I don't mean, I mean, I mean that with all respect. But I think there's a lot of folks that are on the text line that are saying, you know. Um, I, I think it also goes they, Like Mike Zimmer, but there's also some people that are saying Zimmer's just a stopgap. Would like to see a complete rebuild. Um, and then someone else texts in, 513, says, my concern about potential Im- Im- uh, issues, rather, with Zimmer's uh, vision. He had some significant eye issues, like physical vision. That's interesting. I had not considered yeah, that. That, would, that and would be a new one to me. Yeah, I know he did have surgeries for that while he was the Vikings coach. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm interested in seeing what this looks like. And then I know that a lot of people have talked about the idea of him being kind of tough-nosed mm-hmm. and gritty. I'm interested to see how that pe- works out. Because, I look, a one-year situation where you're coming in and you're, you're the new guy and you immediately need to get results, coming with a certain level of, you know, a certain level of energy – doesn't but always I, land. I, I think squarely. he's got. I think he's got some respect in there. I, I I think he'll command some respect there. He's been there before. Obviously not with this group, but he has been there before. He's been a head coach before. Like I think he'll command that room quite quickly. And I, and I think that that has to happen if they want to be good. If they want to go all in, like Jerry's saying, if if they don't respect him, and it, it is the thing where it's a back and forth, and he's the new guy, and he's got to earn his respect. Cowboys are are doomed. They're cooked. You can throw it away because that. It is well. I don't even know that it's necessarily about respect or earning respect. I think it's more about communication styles, and I think a lot of people will kind of use this like negatively and as a pejorative. But I just feel like communication styles have very much uh, changed in the ways over time. Now, of course, he's not that far removed mm-hmm. from dealing with more modern players, 
But I, I, I do want to see how that works out. And again, these are just all the things that we're th- talking about, talking through as we found out that Mike Zimmer is going to be the defense coordinator for your Dallas Cowboys. And ultimately, I, I wonder if you bring this all around to just the level of futility that it all feels like you have with the lame duck situation in general. That, that's kind of the second part of it is, is Zimmer DCing for a year to possibly be in the head coaching running next year? Is mm. he, do, the, do the Joneses simply see him as just a one-year stopgap guy? Do they see him being the DC of the future when they bring in their next head coach? If they bring McCarthy back, do they run back the same staff? I think there's a lot that's up in the air, and I truly don't think any of those will be answered to full fruition until this season gets underway because all of it will just be speculation and people assuming and hypothesizing. We're not going to know until the season gets underway. No. Is Zimmer a long-term plan? Is he a short-term plan? Is well, he the head coach replacer? We I don't, don't know that they even have thoughts on long-term at this point. It needs to be, you need to get it done now. And I think oh, the course. fan base has put a lot of pressure on the Cowboys to be in that place. And at least when it comes to their talk, they're in that place. They got to put a uh, pedal to metal. And now you have your defense coordinator in tow, Mike Zimmer. Former defense coordinator for the Cowboys, also former head coach, uh, most recently with the Vikings uh, through 2021. Now back in the NFL, back as the defense coordinator for your Dallas Cowboys. He'll be coaching Michael Parsons, Tank Lawrence, all of them as they go along. And from the 704, rather, they say primetime and Darren Woodson speak highly of him. That's good enough for me. Sounds good. So there you go. Uh, we'll, we'll get a chance very quickly to see. What it's all about with Mike Zimmer calling the plays on the defense for your Dallas Cowboys. Coming up next, let's talk a little bit about the Rangers. Uh, there's some news when it comes to Adolis not going to go to arbitration. And then also some projections where they say that the Rangers finish up next season. We'll discuss that and more next on The Fan. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 